The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Reverend Dan Beckett. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery on Unity Online Radio, and we're glad you're with us today. I'm Reverend Dan Beckett, here with co-host Reverend Michelle Jelinch. Together, we share ways that spirituality and recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth in your addiction recovery journey. Facebook users, you can send us your questions and comments anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Just click the send message button right below the banner. Each week on the show, we will respond to a listener question or comment. So please let us know what's on your mind. We'd love to hear from you. Today's show is titled Commitment to Success. Nobody has ever stopped Uh, drinking or drugging if they didn't want to. The motivation and commitment to get clean and sober is essential for success. Even though those of us walking a recovery path know that this alone is not enough, we know that it is foundational for living a life of freedom. Today, we'd like to share our experience, strength, and hope on finding and sustaining the motivation and commitment to sober living. We'll begin by sharing our experiences of floundering and then move into the solution of the power of strength. And after the break, we'll share exactly how we use that power of strength to move from floundering in our lives to a life of dedicated purpose. So, Dan, could you share with us what some of your experiences were of floundering on your recovery path or an early sobriety? Yeah, um, compared to what my life experience is like now, I, I can see a distinct difference. And again, and I, I feel like I should just pre-record this or get it printed on a card because I feel like I say the exact same thing every time. But it's so true. Every time I think back, I really didn't realize, I didn't know that this is what was going on and I didn't really have anything to compare it to. But now that I do, I can really see that... Uh, my life was focused on more on material things like uh, making money and, and having nice things and, you know, what could I do to make more money and all, all of that kind of stuff. No real sense of purpose in my life other than um, things like that. Now, that's not to say that I was one dimensional, uh, you know, or the, the only thing I ever talked about was how to make more money. I'm talking about my inner experience there just wasn't a lot there other than um you know trying to 
find a way to relax and trying to find a way to achieve more. Yeah. So I, my experience was, um, I wasn't floundering in the, like my life wasn't a whole big mess or anything. You know, when I was at the height of my drinking, I was pulling straight A's in graduate school. That's, that's just my jam. That's how I did things, you know? So I, my work life, my school life, you know, was all in order. And I was very focused on achievement. Like you're talking about, you know, that outer achievement and success, um, I was very driven and ambitious, um, but I had, I didn't have, let's say where I was floundering was in that inner life or in that spiritual life, basically floundering in that I didn't have a spiritual life at all. I mean, it just wasn't even on my radar. And so I think when we're living like that, we don't even realize that that's floundering until we find a different way of living. And then we realize how lost we were, Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I know that uh, I wasn't really making much of an effort to branch out and to grow. Now, that did change, you know, in the last, I want to say it, it was probably less than 12 months before I got sober. I really did start making an effort to branch out and to grow, uh, you know, related to the Unity Church and some weekend workshops I was doing. And I had really found something that captured my attention, the spirit of spiritual uh, teaching, but in general, I mean, so for the 29 year and a half years prior to that, I really didn't have, um, I wasn't really making an effort to, to branch out in that way. My, my life focus, uh, was more of just keeping things from, I don't know, keeping things the same in a way, but then again, not, I don't know, just sort of like keeping things under control. I guess was was a a motivation. Yeah. And even though in my head I kind of wanted everything stable and locked down, it's ironic now to look back and see that as floundering, which is what it really was. You know, we have other other uh, idioms like I'm spinning my wheels, you know, you can picture yeah. a car in the sand and things like that. It's not like there was nothing going on, but um I I wouldn't really wouldn't really tapped in, I would say, to what, what I now understand to be more of like the the essence of life, what's most important, what's at the center of it. Yeah, exactly. I, I relate to that perfectly. That's exactly what was wrong with my life. Um, there was no spiritual path, and I didn't even know that that's what was missing. You know, another way that I was floundering, I mean, I guess I could say that most of my floundering, like I said, was in, in my personal life. You know, my outer life looked pretty well kept and pretty um, together. But my personal life, my interpersonal relationships, and of course, my non-existent relationship with God and my very fractured relationship with myself were the places that I was really floundering, you know, and I kept having the same problems over and over in relationships. And I didn't, I didn't see that the alcohol was um, one of the underlying problems. For me, the alcohol was the first thing that had to go before I could even begin to deal with any of that other stuff. But I kept trying to fix the other stuff without fixing the alcohol. And so, yeah, that, that wasn't going to work, you know, no matter how much I tried to do that, um, things were not going to change until I removed that active addiction from my life. And so, yeah, most of my floundering was definitely in the realm of interpersonal relationships. And that 
you know, that's no joke, man. That brought me a lot of pain, a lot of pain. I mean, you know, I didn't get sober because things were going well. I got <laughs> sober because I was in horrific, you know, personal, emotional pain. Um, so that was the floundering for me, for sure. Yeah. As we were uh, saying, nobody ever got clean or sober if they didn't really want to. And you better want it bad yep. also in order in order to do it. I know that I never would have if uh, the motivation didn't become very, very strong there at the end. I mean, who, who wants to disrupt a, a good thing that, as far as I was concerned, had been working just fine up till recently? I just need to get it back to the way it was, you know. A year ago, five years ago, or, or what have you. Right. And that, of course, uh, you know, when I asked, what did floundering look like to me? It looked like lots of drinking. I, I can't, sometimes I fail to mention the most obvious uh, piece of all this is that floundering in life looked like I was consuming a lot of alcohol. Yes. And uh, you know how it is, whether, whether it's uh, opiates or alcohol or whatever, our tolerance goes up, so our quantities can go up. Yeah. And uh, it ends up just being a large volumes um, <laughs> of alcohol. I saw a statistic somewhere that ninety uh, percent of the alcohol in our country gets consumed by ten percent of the people. I was oh. like, oh yeah, I used to be one of those ten percent. I was <laughs> I was easily drinking as much as you know. You just randomly pick ten people. I bet I was drinking more than all of them combined. You were pulling you know, your weight. A, oh yeah, right. I was I was doing it right. I wasn't no halfway for me. No, I don't like I don't want to do a bad job at this. You know, if I'm going to drink, I'm going to do it right. Um, so and and then other than that, I mean, in a sense, everything else sort of revolved around that. That was the piece that needed to be locked in place first. Yeah. Everything else needed to work around that, which, of course, I never really recognized at the time. But in hindsight, hindsight being 2020, I can very clearly see that that's true. Oh, I just had a memory right now. <laughs> right before I got sober, I went to see a counselor. And when she asked me what my problem was, I told her that my problem was that I, I can't even say it without laughing. I dated alcoholics. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was my problem. I kept dating these men that were such bad drinkers. What the heck? You know, and so, yeah, it just, it took a while before the dawning, you know, happened that, um, I was a big part of the problem. Uh, you know, we were talking about having to get into a lot of pain before willing. You know, we're talking today about that commitment and willingness to stay sober and stay the stay the course and all of that. And, you know, that's still true for me today. I have to be in pain usually most of the time before I'm willing to really make you know important changes, those deep changes that are difficult. I don't, you know, make these big changes in myself because everything's great. I do it because everything's gone to hell, you know, and I'm in pain and pain is, is a very important motivator. Pain is there for a reason to tell us that something needs to be changed. And we often, you know, we have, just like we have a high tolerance for alcohol, we have a high tolerance for pain. When I think of what my life was like when I was still drinking and the emotional pain that I was putting myself in by the situations I was getting myself into, it breaks my heart. You know, it really breaks my heart to think of that. And 
the floundering again, you know, was I was so careless with myself. I wasn't, I was putting myself into situations that were not good for me. I was letting people hurt me. I was being self-destructive on a daily basis, you know, drink as much and smoke as much as I could. And just, yeah, it was that self-destructive behavior. And, um, you know, it just, like I say, now looking back at it, it breaks my heart because I see how very careless I was with myself, but I didn't have a relationship with myself. So it's taken time for me to learn to care enough about myself to not want to do self-destructive behaviors anymore. When we're in pain, you know, typically that's what we want to do. I was in pain. I just wanted to hurt myself more, I guess. You know? Yeah, it's a weird dynamic because, of course, we have a painkiller that we like to use a lot and that really um, dulls our sense of it. You know, it, yeah. it does work it, for a while and even for a long while or, or as we sometimes say, it works till it doesn't. Yeah. But when it works, it really was working. I mean, I'm not saying that it wasn't, but, you know, that, that uh, definitely came to the end of the line there. It's not a sustainable way to live. It's not healthy. It's that it was not headed to a, a good place. And, you know, I never, I never uh, would say to someone else that they should or shouldn't drink. I mean, everyone's got to find their own way yeah. with that. And there are plenty of people that can um, consume alcohol responsibly, and they're apparently just fine with it. And that has yeah. nothing to do with me. That's, that's right. not. That's none of my business. It has nothing to do with my own experience. It's just you know we got to keep our keep our uh, eyes on our own situation, you know, stay inside our own hula hoop, or as I like, right. uh, I've heard it said, keep our eyes on our own yoga mat. You know, don't <laughs> be looking at what other people are doing. It doesn't matter <laughs> what other people are doing. But hey, uh, as, a, as any self-respecting recovering alcoholic or addict knows, there's no better way to avoid my inner work than to pay attention to what you're doing or not doing. <laughs> That's right. Isn't that straight out of the scripture with the uh, splinter in someone's eye and the log in your own eye? That's right. I suspect that is not a new concept. So now that we know about this challenge of what we're calling floundering, whether we knew it or not, what is the solution? Well, in unity, as always, we affirm that all of life is governed by spiritual principle. Yes, and our Unity co-founder, Charles Fillmore, shared a set of 12 spiritual principles, which he called the 12 powers. Each of us is naturally endowed with these powers, and we can learn to develop and use them more consciously in order to grow spiritually and live our lives more fully and abundantly. And one of those 12 powers is the power of strength. It's defined as the ability to endure, stay the course, persevere, and that's what we want to focus on today. But what do we mean by the power of strength? What does it look like in my life? How do I know if I'm using it skillfully? So, Michelle, when you hear about, when you think about this power of strength from our Unity 12 Powers framework, what comes to mind for you? Well, the first thing that comes to mind for me is one of these wonderful spiritual paradoxes that we find very frequently, and that is that I found my strength through surrender. And it doesn't sound like it makes sense, but um, when we're talking about a spiritual surrender, it makes perfect sense. So I've shared many times that um, how profoundly my life was changed by taking the third step. 
Um, and that step is to turn my will and my life over to the care of my higher power as I understand my higher power. And that surrender um, completely changed my life. It's hard to even describe how profound it was, but it was going from Michelle running the show to having a higher power on board, which is kind of the whole 12 step deal, right? Having that higher power on board and surrendering, surrendering my small S self, my ego self, my um, achievement oriented self, my material self, my self obsessed self, you know, focused self centered self, surrendering that self to a higher self to the higher power. And um, in that, I ultimately found my strength. So if that doesn't make sense to you yet, and you're in early recovery, hold on, keep coming back, keep practicing that third step, and I think it will happen for you too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, power of strength, when I think about what it means to me that, um, I think of that image, it's kind of an image for me that we talk about, we keep our head down and push forward. You know, we, we have the, this ability to just to keep going. You know, it reminds me of uh, that uh, child's children's storybook, The Little Engine That Could. Yeah. Even though my life, uh, there was another one I'd seen written, The Little the, the little Engine That Said Bleep It. <laughs> and I like that, too. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I can kind of identify yeah, that with that. Yeah, that sounds like you, Dan. I mean, I, I want to I be the little engine that could, but I think sometimes I'm the little engine that said <laughs> bleep it. Um, but that ability to keep my head down and to push forward is one uh, way that the power of strength looks to me. And uh, I like what you're saying about the, you know, that distinction we make between lowercase s self that was running the show and then the, what we call the uppercase s self, you know, our true self. Although I'll tell you that my lowercase s self would happily go into a store and buy a t-shirt that said uppercase S self. <laughs> it, it will do anything to convince me that it is the uppercase S. Oh, you're right. We're really good at this spiritual growth. Oh, oh yeah. talk about humility. We're so good at humility. If there was a contest, <laughs> we'd totally kick everyone's butt in humility. It's like, okay, all right, all right. Calm down, slow down. <laughs> So strength is, uh, in that context, maybe the ability to keep putting one foot in front of the other, you know, head down, pushing forward on the path of discovery that's slowly undermining that part of my lowercase s self that would happily masquerade as God. Yeah. You know, some of us, I think, just came into this earth experience with a little bit stronger of an ego than others. <laughs> oh, you cracked me up with that. Yeah, so that ability to just keep putting one foot in front of the other, um, that's definitely a big part of strength. The thing for me is I've got to um, draw the line between that and just white knuckling it. And that's why I said that surrender is so important because I have the ability to just grit my teeth and nose to the grindstone and just power forward. But that's not a true use of spiritual strength, in my opinion. You know, it's that, that surrender and what we're surrendering into is a faith, you know, a newfound faith. And it's that faith when we can't, you know, when we can't see 
the end. We can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. We can barely see the beginning, much less the end. And, you know, a lot of us are feeling like we're in that place right now. We don't know when this thing is going to end. They keep extending the lockdown. Feels like it's going to go on forever. And it can really produce a lot of feelings of fear and grief and desperation. And so strength is that faith, that faith to know that I may not be able to see the light at the end of the tunnel, but I know it's there. And it takes time to develop that. You know, we're not going to trust our higher power right out the gates. I've got to see my higher power show up a few times for me and start proving itself, <laughs> you know. And that's okay. That's okay. God will willingly show up over and over and over again until you learn to trust. And so it's really that that faith that I don't know what it's going to look like now, but I trust that I have somehow gotten onto this path and I'm going in the right direction. I love what you were sharing about uh, your differentiating um, that kind of white knuckling. And I've, I've understood that to be the difference between the skillful and an unskillful use of strength. Because they're both strength and what we, of course, want to do with the power of strength in all of the 12 powers or, or any tool, that, spiritual tool that we have is to use it in a balanced manner. And so it's not healthy or helpful to me if I'm white knuckling something where white knuckling is not the appropriate approach. And so, yeah, I can misuse the power of strength. I can really call on it in a situation when maybe faith is what I could balance with yeah. or just wait and see, you know, something else. But I've, I've always appreciated uh, the difference when I heard it uh, using those particular words, a skillful use of a power versus an unskillful use, because I'm certainly capable of using strength and any other uh, ability that I have in both the skillful and an unskillful manner and discerning, you know, when, when and how to use these things, I think is a huge part um, of this whole deal. So, you know, strength shows up as that, um, I think of it as a power that I can draw upon to get things done. Well, yeah. Sometimes getting things done is exactly the the best way forward, and other times getting things done is just a distraction from the best way forward, and and that can be hard to distinguish. But that they're both a, a use of the power of strength. Yeah, you know, I looked up the power of strength before the show, and it's it defined it as the ability to endure, stay the course, and persevere, and. That sounds very appropriate to me. Um, you know, we talked about how sometimes we have to get in a lot of pain before we're willing to um, launch ourselves onto this recovery path. But once we're on the path and sort of all the excitement, the initial excitement dies down, then it really does become a very mundane, you know, get up every day, go to a meeting, do what I need to do, don't pick up, don't drink, you know, practice that third step, get on your knees, whatever your practice is. And it really does sort of require that, um, that dailiness, that perseverance, that staying the course, um, which is an aspect of strength, like you're saying, you know, it's an aspect of just being willing to keep doing what we're doing. And um, typically addicts, we like a lot of excitement, 
You know, we don't like things to be like boring. And, and so sometimes that strength comes from being willing to, for it to not be exciting every single day. You know, today I just got to do what I got to do. And, and having that inner strength to get up and do the deal, as we say, every day. Yeah, I'm reminded that in this, uh, almost as I even jotted this note down, uh, sounds ironic that strength is not one of my natural strengths. <laughs> Meaning, what I really mean is that discipline is not one of my natural strengths. I'm, I'm a very undisciplined uh, being. If I feel like that's true. And, you know, I do want to, of course, be careful about selling myself short. But, you know, the power of strength is comes into play with things like maintaining a uh, formal meditation practice. You get up, you know, you, 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 uh, you know, take a drink of water and you, and you sit down and set your timer or hit your bell or whatever. And you do your meditation. And I'm really terrible about that. I'm not good about maintaining a formal practice there. I, I am gentle with myself around it because I recognize that, uh, there's something going on in there. It's not, there's nothing wrong with me, uh, but there's something un underneath that that I'm not aware of, and that's okay. And uh, I think as long as I'm willing to show up and to be open to whatever that might be, you know, I think of sometimes our spiritual growth in terms of we're unwinding things yeah. that took decades to wind up, and so it's going to take a while to unwind them. And yeah. just because someone else is really adept at and seems to be um, good at maintaining a formal practice doesn't mean that there's something that, that I'm bad or wrong. It just means that person has a different mix of abilities. That person is in a different place yep. on their path. And I aspire to come to that place um, on my own path. And at the same time, there may well probably are things that I might be more naturally adept at that another person might be working on themselves. So it, it could be hard to be gentle with ourselves if we want to, you know, if I am tempted to do things like use the power of strength to beat myself up for not doing yeah, no. <laughs> what I've decided are the right things, that is what I would call an unskillful use of strength. So even at the same time that I recognize that, you know what, discipline is challenging for me. I know it's because I've got a lot of, uh, you know, unexpressed anger or whatever it is that makes me resistant. And that is my work. That's my path. And that's fine. And, and where I happen to be with, and I'm keep using this example of a formal practice where I happen to be with that is kind of like a barometer of like, well, what's going on with me? How much of this underlying, um, upset uh, have I am I dealing with oh it's still there okay fine what that does is just tell me you know what is my direction each day nothing wrong with that at all so even though I say I'm not naturally strong in strength and and uh, and and that's what I mean when I say that um, if you're listening and you feel the same way you can with me be careful about being too judgmental but let's hold that thought because it is time for a short break and when we come back we'll continue the conversation so please stay with us
Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back. We're glad you're with us today. If you're just joining us, my name is Reverend Dan Beckett, here with co-host Reverend Michelle Jellinch. And we'll resume our discussion in a moment. But first, we want to remind you that you can send us your questions and feedback anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Message us from there, and each week we'll respond during the show to a listener question or comment. So please let us know what's on your mind. So prior to the break, we were discussing um, sort of what floundering looked like us when we were sort of floundering around in that early sobriety or during our active addiction. And then we talked about the 12 powers and the power of strength and what strength means to us. So Dan, now that we've covered floundering and we know that the solution to that floundering is the power of strength, how exactly does the power of strength lead us to a life of dedicated purpose? What comes to mind first for me is that is that when I did see what I would now call a spiritual path, and when I was you know ready for that and and open to it, and I could see it, and it looked attractive as something that I wanted to do, the power of strength helped me to keep moving, you know, down that path, even even if things got. Uh, strange or uncomfortable, which they always will and do, that means you're doing it. You know, if if I'm walking a spiritual path and things aren't getting weird and uncomfortable, then I might need to open my eyes a little more and really ask myself what I'm doing, because it is inherent in spiritual growth for things to get uncomfortable and strange. Isn't that the, the, the first verse from the Gospel of Thomas um, that goes a little further than the seek and you shall find, seek and you shall become disturbed. Like, Uh. yep, that is exactly what happens. And so the power of strength helps me to keep going, even if when I do get uncomfortable on my path. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about how we sometimes say in ministry that, um, we're here not just to comfort the afflicted, but to afflict the comfortable. You know, we have to get afflicted to a certain extent if we're going to change, right? Change is not um, yes. not easy. And so, yeah, I was thinking about that. I have that tenacity too, that ability to just sort of, you know, keep doing something over and over and over. I was really good about getting to regular meetings and Um, Because I'm kind of a good girl in that way. I want to do things the right way. I want to do all the things I'm supposed to do and be a good little alcoholic, you know, a good little 12 stepper, make my sponsor happy. Um, So, you know, and a certain amount of that is really helpful in early sobriety, just getting that self to the meeting every day, you know, that 90 and 90 or whatever, you know, whatever people are doing. But they're, they're, you know, this is a repetitive program. This is a repetitive program. Let me repeat that. You know, we don't get this in one day or one month or one year. This is um, sort of a a lifetime commitment to be walking this path. And um, some of it is daily and mundane. And it's just about, you know, I learned that suit up and show up. Yeah. 
that's a great one. Suit up and show up. Sometimes that's all you need to do. If that's yeah. all you can do today, that's enough, especially as we're going through this thing right now. You know, if all you can do is suit up and show up for yourself, for your family today, that's enough. You know, we were talking about before the show, you don't have to be writing the great American novel or making <laughs> eight pies or knitting 10 blankets. You know, some days suiting up and showing up is enough. And especially in early sobriety, um, you know, I'm one of those people that wants to get way out in the future. What is this going to look like and where is this all going and blah, blah, blah. But um, there's a certain nose to the grindstone, you know, mentality that can, I think can be really helpful in early sobriety. We're just getting sober. We're just getting whatever our active addiction is out of our system. And it takes time before, you know, we're ready to start peeling away those layers and going deeper and deeper. So just that, that strength, that dailiness, that tenacity, just, you know, like we say at every meeting, keep coming back, just do it. Just keep coming back. If that's all you do today, that's enough. And those things are absolutely uh, skillful uses of strength. Yeah. Stood up and show up is an expression that requires strength. To do it, keep coming back requires strength to keep coming back. And that is a skillful use of strength because it's a use that is bringing us into a place of healing, you know, a place that is uh, a positive environment for us that is going to support our growth. I remember when I first got sober in the first year, I attended uh, noon, uh, noon, Monday through Friday, 12 o'clock meeting that was near where I worked. So it was very easy to get to. I could get something to eat and walk over there in about five minutes. And one of the old timers who was there regularly, and this just blew my mind. And so, you know, I'm less than a year sober. This guy's over 40 years sober, which was unfathomable <laughs> to me. And one thing that he shared that his sponsor had shared with him 40 years prior was that in the first year at least, maybe the first two years, if when you go to bed at night, when your head hits the pillow, if you didn't take a drink that day, you win, period, the end. No matter matter what happened. You won life that day, no matter what else happened. That's all you have to do. And for some of us, man, that's all we can do. And that's okay. And you can do that for six months, 12 months, for two years. Now, at some point, uh, your sponsor is going to say to you, okay, now it's time for you to start showing up for other people. But you don't have to do that on day one. You know, we call that two-stepping, right? I, 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 I recognize that... Uh, I'm powerless over alcohol, so now I'm going to go help everybody else who's powerless oh, yes. over alcohol. That's two-stepping in the 12-step parlance, and it, it just means we're bypassing all of the work. And so slow down, chill out. All you got to do is not drink or drug that day. And if your head hits the pillow and you didn't drink or drug, you won, period, end of story. Everything else can come later. And it takes strength just to persevere on that, I mean, it sounds so simple, like it's like, well, duh, how hard could that be? Well, any of us who have been there know exactly how hard that is to yes. do. I don't care what it sounds like from the outside. Just making it through a 24-hour period without picking up a drink, is a, it is a difficult thing to do. It's harder some days than others, and it is a, it's an accomplishment to be seen as such. 
and to be celebrated as such. And that is a skillful use of strength, just yeah, not taking a drink. You know, combined, like you said, maybe it's suit up and show up, or they said, keep coming back, and so I came back. You know, all of these things that are helping us stay on the path, that's the power of strength. Yeah. Yeah, because life doesn't stop when we get sober, right? You know, um, I used to have a sponsor that would always say, um, you know, you ask her how she was doing, and she'd say, life is in session. And I've picked that up. It's like life is in session. That pretty much covers it, right? Life is being life. It's doing what it does, which is continue to throw things at us pretty much all the time. Wouldn't it be great if we could just stop everything and just go bliss out in one of those swanky recovery centers for a while or something and, you know, meditate and do yoga. But, you know, it wasn't that way for me. Life was in session and I had to keep doing the do. And um, so there is a strength in that. And, in early recovery, or like you say, even in the first couple of years, you know, it might look like prioritizing your recovery, making that really a priority and um, narrowing things down to brass tacks. You know, what is important right now? What is important right now? And recovery is a lot of work. There's a lot that we need to wade through and um, it deserves uh, a prominent place in our lives. It can't sort of be done, you know, in just a few minutes a day. It's got to become a real priority. And so you were talking about, you know, a skillful use of that strength is really making our own recovery, our own self-care, our own emotional well-being and spiritual growth, making that a top priority in our lives. And if that can continue for the rest of our lives to be our top priority, that's awesome. You know, I mean, I think that in many ways it has become my top priority for me, but um, it takes strength to begin to make that shift in our lives and put our own well-being in its rightful place at the center of our lives. It's said in the recovery literature that our sobriety is contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. And what I have found is that when I'm willing to live the truth that that statement is pointing at, it does get easier over time, you know, the, the first year especially were really, really challenging. I mean, just not taking a drink each day was enough of a goal. Um, that's all I needed. And, and like I was saying, and I'm so grateful to, the, to Don F. who shared that, that if your head hits the pillow at the end of the day and you haven't taken a, a drink or drug, then, then you win that really he really gave me permission to be okay right where i was and being okay right where i was became a foundational principle of of moving ahead you know and so it's it gets easier over time if we're working it earnestly i think because that can be a that that just like anything uh that can be a trap as well but uh, i think as long as we really are taking steps each day to maintain our spiritual condition. I know from personal experience that the not taking a drink part got way easier to the point yeah. now where this, that's not really an issue for me and mm-hmm. it hasn't been for a long time. What What is an issue is what is going on with me 
am I am I showing up for the way that I feel? Am I taking responsibility for my actions? Am I showing up to be of service to others? You know, those kinds of things that we learn along the way, those become the questions in place of did I take a drink or not? And they're just a different focus, you know, different skillful uses of strength is yeah. what those are. And I find with, with a larger purpose in mind, and I would call spiritual growth itself a larger purpose. You know, yes. we could we could break that down into lots of different ways of seeing that. But in general, a spiritual way of living gives me a larger purpose in life. And with that in mind, I find that I can persevere much more easily. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel like drudge work. You know, it doesn't feel like, oh, I got to grind. I don't feel like doing this, but I got to do it anyway. You know, I had some of that at the beginning, but um, that that fades over time as long as I am doing the things I need to do to maintain my spiritual condition. Yeah, you know, I mentioned earlier about surrender, and I just want to mention that again, because even though it sounds um, oxymoronic, I really believe that surrender is a really big part of strength, especially if you're like this alcoholic who, you know, really wants to, really has that strong self-will and really wants to run the show myself, and I know what's best, and I know what to do. Um, so that's definitely my personality. And I don't like other people telling me what to do. I'm not a fan. You know, I'm an Aries. I'm an only child. Come on now. <laughs> so so there, there was a certain strength that was necessary in order to become willing to do the things I needed to do in recovery, which involved sometimes listening to other people, what other people had to suggest and say. And of course, that always needs to be balanced with, you know, our own intuition. Um, I'm not an advocate of blindly following someone else's advice, even if it's a professional, you know. Um, your sponsor is not there to run your life and tell you what to do. Your sponsor is there to share their experience, strength, and hope that you might find the right thing to do yourself. And so, but it takes strength of character to be able to set aside that self-will long enough to be able to even take advice from someone else or listen to what someone else has to say or listen to what the group has to say. And um, that willingness, that was a tough thing for me, I think, in early sobriety, maybe in some ways continues to be. And so what I love about willingness is we can just sort of take it out a level. Like if you're not willing, maybe you can be willing to be willing. And then I had a sponsor who would tell me, you know, how about can you be willing to be willing to be willing? And, you know, whatever it takes, but it's just that cracking open of that, ah, that self-will, you know, cracking that open just a little bit to um, a spider just walked across my desk. So I'm sorry. <laughs> I have a huge arachnophobia. Bye-bye. On your way now. <laughs> um, yeah. So just that cracking open of that self-will and that little bit of willingness. Um, and I fully believe that the, the higher power, um, that vastness that loves us, is just waiting for that crack to be able to rush in. In other words, we don't have to be like, oh, I'm so willing and wonderful. <laughs> you know, God doesn't need that. God just needs that, like, just barely opening the door that little bit, and that spirit rushes in to want to support us and help us. So, again, that sounds oxymoronic, but surrendering my will 
allows me to access a higher strength that comes from the higher power. Yeah, I love that. Uh, and, and, and in a way, it's so true. I need to be willing. I don't need to be happy about it, but I do <laughs> need to be willing. As long as I'm willing, that's the criteria. If I'm willing, then the door is open. Then I have the real opportunity to see things differently. And then I can show up differently, et cetera, et cetera. The whole thing unfolds, or as you put it so well, that my experience is that just a small amount of willingness, and it feels like the spirit just comes rushing in. You know, just like that parable of the prodigal son, when the father when the son is walking toward the father, the father is running toward the son. That is the way I have experienced God as I understand God to be. I take one step. My experience is God covers 10 times that distance. And I just need to be willing to do the little things. And I have to be willing. I don't have to be happy about it. I also have realized that it's easier to use strength in a skillful manner, you know, to push ahead when I know that what I'm doing is is helpful to others. So that's another gift of uh, the program to me, or a gift of a a spiritual way of living, is that things that might have felt like, um, you know, onerous or, uh, you know, just sort of heavy, like, oh, man, I don't want to do that. I got, what do I got to go there? You know, all that kind of, I like don't want to, it mean? seems hard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, becomes a whole lot easier and more manageable when the reason that I am doing whatever the thing is, is because I'm showing up to be helpful to others. Yeah. Um, th that's just such a a built-in motivation that's, that's uh, I think it comes directly from the divine, you know, whatever that might be, because that's, that's the aspect I see in, in the spirit is showing up to be supportive and helpful and loving toward others is something that God, as I understand God is all about. Mm -hmm. And even when I can just get a little piece of that in my own experience, I can really see the power in it. So it's a lot easier for me to push ahead, you know, nose to the grindstone, what have you, when I know that I'm being helpful to others. Yeah. You're talking about, you know, your motivation and for me in sobriety, in early sobriety, but it continues today, pain continues to be a motivator, you know, um, Pain will motivate me to do things I would not otherwise do. So this program is about being willing to take a magnifying glass to our own selves and begin to look very deeply within ourselves and peel away the layers and start to see what's really going on with me. And that takes a lot of strength. And thank God we don't have to do it all the first day or the first week or the first month or first year. You know, we have a lifetime to do this, but it does require a lot of strength to start to look at things about ourselves that aren't fun to look at, that are painful, that are humiliating, that are shameful, um, and having the strength to look at those things. Because when we look at them, when we shine the light of our newfound spiritual awareness onto them, then they begin to heal. But it's that bringing them up out of the darkness into the light that's required for healing. And it takes tremendous strength. And that's why, you know, it works in layers, 
Um, we don't have to do it all at once. As they say, I love this, more will be revealed. More will be revealed. You don't have to know it all today. You don't have to figure it all today. Just do the next right thing. Take care of what's coming at you. Oh, and trust me, life will give you the curriculum. <laughs> I've never once had to wonder, gee, hmm, what should I work on today? <laughs> you know, that just doesn't happen. Life just keeps handing me that curriculum. And I went through some tough things in my first, especially my first year of sobriety. I don't know how I did it, but I, I, well, I do know how I did it. Every time something came down the pike and just pummeled me, I was on my knees in that surrender, you know, and just take this from me. I can't do this by myself. You know, um, we're with the biblical allusions today. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, That's right. take this cup from me. Okay, y'all, Reverend Dan was my um, Christian scripture teacher, <laughs> so he's good with the Bible references. Yeah. But yeah, you know, even Jesus at that, we're, you know, we're, we're getting close to that date in our liturgical calendar right now. Um, even Jesus had that moment of surrender. And so surrender is not a weakness. Surrender is a strength. Absolutely. And yeah. I hit my knees more than a few times my first year, you know, and I believe that's how I got through it was I just kept saying of my own self-will, I can't do this. But with God, with the higher power, with, you know, thy will, not mine be done. And I had to do that over and over again. That's just the truth of my story. You know, another thing that comes to mind is that uh, I also now know when to rest and when to press on. And so the, the, the ability to discern what is an appropriate use of strength and when it's appropriate to draw on a different tool uh, takes time as well. And that is something that we develop, you know, as we move down our um, spiritual path, our sobriety path, we, you know, our wisdom grows a little bit, at least in part, because we're hanging around with people who are on the same path and perhaps have experienced some of the same things and they're sharing their experience and I'm making connections with it. You know, there are lots of ways that this unfolds, but I think I, I used to always think that I should always be doing more. You know, I'd heard that called shooting on yourself. Yes. I need to stop shooting on myself. I should do this. I should do that. Well, why don't we just relax and uh, why don't I just be who I am? And when I am able, when I practice that resting, uh, I find it easier to discern when resting is appropriate and when taking action is appropriate. That's to me one of the beauties of the concept of a Sabbath is that I have a dedicated time and here I am disciplined about uh, my Sabbath, a dedicated time when, uh, you know, the switch gets shut off. There are no shoulds, but let us change gears and turn our attention to a question or a comment from our listeners. And here's a question that comes up often. And it is this, I think you and I have both said this today, perhaps already. Yeah. I don't I don't feel very strong. Where can I find the strength that you're talking about? Well, I just want to make clear again that the strength is not in our small ego self, but the strength is in our higher self. It's in that self that is 
that divinity within what we call in the in unity the christ you know that part of ourselves that is god that is connected to god that that has that strength so we're drawing on that strength i think maybe that's the difference we're not drawing on our own self-will we're drawing on strength from the higher power and then just taking things one day at a time and that prayer and meditation you know I don't have the strength in and of myself, but God does. I'm going to plug myself into that strength and draw from that strength one day at a time. So keeping that spiritual connection and finding strength in the group as well and learning to let others support you and help you on that path. Those are all ways that we can learn to find strength. I realize as I considered this great question that often um, I don't begin with strength. I begin with something else. And in that thing, I find strength rising. Like, for example, I've talked about having some sense of purpose, whether my purpose is just show up at another meeting, you know, keep coming back. It could be as simple as that. And honestly, as self-centered as that, it's just, I just need to show up. Okay, I'm not even thinking about you or what I could do for this person or that person. I'm just thinking about, I don't want to die and I'm yeah. going to show up because they told me to. Hey, man, that right there is purpose. And That's that right. has allowed me to find the strength that may not have been there before. Higher power. You talk about that. Uh, I, I want strength. What do I do? I seek to improve my relationship with God as I understand God. And lo and behold, all of a sudden it feels strength is showing up, doing things for others, you know, showing up in service, making the coffee, chairing a meeting. All of a sudden strength is showing up. That's right. Well, we always like to leave you with an affirmation that you can use throughout the week and take with you. And so today our affirmation is, I have the strength to accomplish all that is mine to do. I love that. I have the strength to accomplish all that is mine to do. And as we've shared today, there are many ways that you can uncover, discover, uh, and allow that to show up in you. Well, we've come to the end of our time here together, and we hope that you found something that will help you on your recovery path. Thank you, Reverend Michelle, once again for our discussion. And thanks to all who are listening to the podcast via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We bless you all wherever you might be on your recovery journey. Listeners, if you would like, you can connect with us on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery, and give us your thoughts and feedback. We invite you to join us again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central. Until then, have a wonder-filled week. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. We talk to the animals and we know you can too. On the Animal Communication Podcast hosted by the three of us, myself, Julie Heert, Aaron Debbie Smith, and Meredith Tolleson. 
We will show you how to deepen your relationship with your beloved animal companions, whether they're alive or in spirit. As soul-level animal communicators, we explain the process and explore topics such as health, behavior, and play, all from the animal's perspective. So subscribe and follow us on Apple, Spotify, and listen as part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.